and welcome to Henry Weston's Old Mate, the podcast. We are back again. Something different. Today we are talking mountaineering, climbing mountains. Uh, I chat with a good friend of mine, Dan Oliver. In 2019, he climbed Mont Blanc. We discuss the emotions that come with the training and the climb itself. Uh, reaching the top, you know, you're only halfway there. Listen to what uh, Dan has to say uh, before you listen to the podcast. Uh, towards the end of mine and Dan's chat, he offered some pretty inspirational words. Uh, I've cut it into a short soundbite, so you will hear that next. Enjoy the episode. I think too often we pretend we're invincible and we're not. We're not. Uh, yeah. I like the last two days have proved that I, you know, mm-hmm. we are, we are not invincible. Um, we all have our limits and I think it's ridiculous for us to pretend that um, we don't have doubts and mental issues and stumbling blocks and things to learn from. And I think if, if you or me or as you as you've so so positively done recently you know if if maybe we admit to these occasionally then maybe we're not yeah. so, setting so many other people up to fail but um you are dang uh, i am a good friend uh, and let's just go with in 2019, you climbed a mountain, which not everyone who grows up in sunny old deal sort of does. No, but, no, uh, no, to be fair, that's true. Um, so, I mean, the big question, I, I, we obviously, if we go back, the famous mountaineer, sort of George Mallory, why climb Everest, you know, because it's there. Yeah. Um, We'll probably get to the ins and outs of the big why, but you know, is there is there a, a why and why Mont Blanc, Dan? Yeah, I think um, it's bizarre, really, because I, I mean, I I always wish I was a bigger reader than I am. Um, I I really enjoy reading, um, so I do, try to do it at least once a year. Um, <laughs> Much and, like myself. <laughs> yeah, and what little I read tends to be sort of true stories like adventure type stuff i don't really i'm not a a fiction type of person um and i've always read um i remember reading touching the void and yeah into thin air um very good book highly recommend into thin air yeah um and then all the weirdly all stuff about tragedies on mountains so then i suppose leaping to want to go up one is a bit weird but um no and then christine once one day decided that she wanted a family ho- skiing holiday. Yeah. Um, and I remember saying, no, I'm not really interested in that. I, um, <laughs> and I think you've met Christine before. As she said, well, we're going, you can stay here if you like. Um, <laughs> so we went skiing and for, for two days, uh, I hated it. Um, I you hated, hated- everything. Oh, every minute of it. It was just the whole thing was horrible. I was too hot or too cold, but 
mainly just useless. Um, it, it's yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I quit snowboarding five times between the end of November and Christmas. Uh, yeah. uh, three times, I think, I threw my snowboard down the mountain, and every time it got stuck because <laughs> the piece I was on was so pathetically not steep that. Yeah. The, the bloody thing just wouldn't run away from me. I was trying to get my head around the fact that I'd spent 35 years perfecting the art of walking, and now <laughs> I was almost seemingly perfecting the art of falling over. Um, and, and it then, hurts. It really yeah. does hurt. Yeah, and, and very, very quickly, there are children making you feel really stupid. <laughs> well, they're um, good. Well, they? And then, weirdly, uh, day three, for some reason... Um, we went to the top of the mountain to get some lunch. Okay. And uh, and then I just fell in love with the mountains. It was quite bizarre. Um, there's a an extremely wonderful view of Mont Blanc from the top of Flen, where we were in France. Yeah, you and, uh, I, I know it well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was sort of, I don't know. Well, so you know that's... what the you know what the mountains are like, and it's I don't know. I can't really describe it. It was. Well, um, this is... Yeah, I mean, this is sort of, if my wife was in this discussion now, she would be of the very similar, I mean, I like to go, I like to go on skiing holidays because I like snowboarding and I enjoy the mountains. Yeah. But I don't appreciate them in the way that you're, you're mentioning and the way my wife would, and, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to explain why, but yeah. just being there, there's, there's an effect or, or there's something. So, I mean, I'm not. It's weird because, like, I'm I'm not religious, but you know, I've been to the Vatican City and um, and I've I've been inside buildings around Rome, and it it it's a it's not a similar feeling, but it's just that sense of awe and how. Yeah, I, you know that I I don't know. It's a it was a a really really odd feeling, and um and Christine was sort of she said, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah." I said, oh, "But this is this is unbelievable." And that was me hooked, really. Um, and I still probably couldn't ski at that point. So I'm glad we could go down in the lift. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. And then so, I think, and then I think, I think fortunately, you know, we live in a, I say fortunately, um, social media with some of the people who I read and follow, it's easier to see what they get up to. So I remember seeing videos of um, the Swiss climber, Uli Steck. Um, yeah. And then uh, Quiggs put me on to Killian Journey, the Spanish endurance runner. I've got um, his, yeah, I've got his book that was is on my 2021 reading list that is yeah. is making excellent progress to book yeah. number two <laughs> towards the end of May. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lovely collection of books I've never read. Oh, um, I've got a, I've got a shiny library of pristine books at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'd sort of ended up stumbling, I say stumbling upon, um, he's quite famous, a guy called Kenton Cool, um, yeah, yeah. who's just um, summited a bit, of a, a bit of a divisive figure within the industry, but but yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what I like about him is just, he, he's not judgy, you know, mm -hmm. he, he does what he does, he, you know, he, that's his job, um, yeah. you know, he has... He says there's, and I and I sort of agree with him. I think there's enough space on a mountain to do whatever you want to do on the mountain. Um, you know, there's, if you want to alpine style up the north face of Everest, then you know you can do it. Uh, and why not? Yeah, and I, 
yeah, I like the way he is. Uh, I like uh, his social media is good. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think there's there's plenty of space in mountains for for everyone, as long as I think you're not putting other people in danger by being there. Yeah, I mean so that's, that's where I'd yeah. If if we <clears throat> if we go slightly off piste, and um, you know, obviously the feeling now, if we, if we talk Mount Everest, the, the feeling is that Everest is too busy and it's got to the point where it's it's busy to the point of being unsafe now is I is think, one argument isn't it yeah but and again but i think it's a difficult one because i think you you see i was listening to kenson talk the other day actually i think he, he gave an interview to a guy called alan arnett he's a he's an american who does a lot of blogging on everest um okay on the on the every season also he does some stuff on k2 well in fact lots of eight uh, in fact, all the eight thousand meter uh, yeah. peaks um but in it he said actually this year although permit wise it was uh, one of the highest years if not the highest i think he said actually it, it seemed quite quiet in uh-huh. base camp so uh get long summit windows where the where the wind isn't high and there's plenty of space it's a it's <laughs> My understanding is it's quite a large mountain. Um, so, <laughs> rumor rumor yeah, has it. Yeah, so there's plenty of room. But I think, obviously, if you, within a climbing season, you condense that down to two very small climbing windows, I can imagine it's it can be quite horrific. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched um, I watched the summit, brief two-minute summit video the day before yesterday, and it honestly looked nigh on perfect, you know, no... Yeah. Some was out, but then you think you've got numerous hours still getting does you know? Uh, yeah, and you don't see what's gone on before that the, the pain to get to that point. Yeah, so I think um, sort of their their influence or hearing those stories and the stories of you know uh, treks through glaciers and the inevitable crevasses and the giant seracs and all those things I'd read in books and I'd always thought oh, I'd love to see that and. It's all coincided with Christine saying, you know, is there anything you want to do or where anywhere you want to go for your 40th? She said, you know, just, you know, let me know. I'd like to, you know, I'd like it to be special for you. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, actually, maybe I should, maybe I'd like to go to base camp. Maybe I'd like to go to base camp at Everest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I remember we, I, in fact, it was, we were skiing. I was having a ski lesson and there was a guy who'd been, a guy called Matthew, who'd gone, He'd been in the um, British Army, and he said to me, "Would you really like a photo of your fortieth if you stood at the bottom of something?" <laughs> and I said, uh, and I he gave me an inquisitive look, and he said, "Wouldn't you want to stand at the top of something?" And I said, "Well, I hadn't really thought about it." He said, "Well, what you should do is you should go and climb the Matterhorn." And I thought, "Yeah, well, I've having never really considered it." I mean, I knew roughly what it looked like. And then as soon as I looked at it, I thought, no, I don't want to do that. That <laughs> looks horrific. <laughs> um, that looks, that looks but, far but, too... But he'd interest. Yeah, he'd sort of made me think, actually, um, you know, why train to walk somewhere when... Well, actually, I did. Um, but why train to, you know, go on a nice walk through valleys um, and stand at the bottom of something when you could go for a walk through possibly equally as nice valleys um 
and stand at the top of some. Yeah, that was it really. And then that sort of got my mind thinking and and then I thought, well, one mountain I've seen repeatedly from many a ski resort in France yes. is Mont Blanc. So yeah. uh, I typed in Mont Blanc and Mont Blanc treks and there was lots and lots and lots of uh, guiding companies and guides and companies. So that, that, they all they all work out of Chamonix, I assume. Chamonix at the base of Mont Blanc. Yeah. yeah so there, so there are. I mean, you can. I mean, I think most operate from from there, but obviously you can climb it from Italy as well. Um, of course, because it is <clears throat> the mountain is Italian and French. Yeah, um, but the. The, you know the the most popular or the most used and therefore seemingly easiest was from the French side uh, the mm-hmm. Gu- the Guta route and uh, and I thought well let's have a look let's see what it's like and then I thought well my first thing is is it dangerous so stupidly I typed in <laughs> something like is Mont Blanc dangerous and uh, and then you're faced with um. A really long list of people who've died. Um, and... Well, I just I just googled mob blog earlier, just some basic facts, and yeah, it <laughs> did. It, it very quickly sort of became apparent that the the lowest recorded temperature on mob blog was minus forty three, which, <laughs> which I I would suggest is dangerous in itself. And um, yeah, and I think. I think then you're left with right. Do I look into why people die, or do I just abandon it? And think, well, actually, that's just far too dangerous. And then when you look into it, people don't tend to die. They normally die because they fall or they're hit by rocks or um, probably worse, <laughs> worse, worse than just being a bit cold. Um, and having a nice long sleep. Yeah. Um, so I sort of looked into companies that I would, you know, I would trust or I'd be willing to put my my life in their hands i suppose um and i found one uh, it's called adventure base uh, based in chamonix um and weirdly um the founder was kenton cool so oh, okay <clears throat> um i think it i'm not sure how i first came across the company uh, then i'd seen like press releases i think they'd done some trips with uh, richard branson mm-hmm. um and yeah, read through the guide about the guides and about all the reviews people had left and how good and uh, reputable the guides were. And I thought, well, I suppose if I was going to do it, it, it would be this company. And then I did what I normally do is I thought about it for a long time, talked about it long for a long time and then dismissed it as far too ridiculous and far too expensive. And I, I thought, was, well, I was going to ask uh, cost there must be a cost implication because as 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 well paid as i'm sure you you are from uh we're not millionaires are we no and i think also like for me it would have been right me going on a trip doing what i want instead of going on a family holiday um so yeah it it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have washed not it wouldn't have washed with christine because she was the one suggesting it but i just it wouldn't have sat right with me and i thought i and there's an awful lot of equipment to get considering that i live in deal and there aren't too many uh glaciers around here uh, there's probably not much second ad stuff knocking around on for, for sale deal. no and i also thought you know even if it snows in deal heavily there's i don't need crampons to get up mill hill um <laughs> so 
No, you need a shotgun. And it's never minus 45. (laughs) So I thought, well, actually, no, maybe it's a little bit wacky. And then on the morning of my birthday, Christine had sorted it out. So, okay. So it was, of course, then a case of uh, time to find, well, time to find your bollocks, Daniel. Because so, so, so you're, let's, let's go to that morning. You're presented yeah. with, a, with an envelope. Well, quite unfairly, what I'd been presented for, well, presented with a couple of minutes before. Yes. Um, was a photo album made by my children of <laughs> pictures of them and me growing up. Oh. Well, them growing up with me. Yeah. I, I haven't grown up. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was booing like nobody's business. I, yeah. was, I was already quite emotional and it was all too much. And I think I'd probably had a drink the night before. Um, so, yeah, that was. And then Christine handed me an envelope with all the details in it and not just the details that she'd booked it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, an envelope saying that she'd booked it um, or was ready to book it. And just when I was trying to stop crying over that one or the shock, she then handed me a... Because in my head, I'm thinking, I know how much the boots are and I know how much... And I think, you know, that's an awful lot of equipment. And I, where have we got ourselves into? And then, unbeknownst to me, Christine had already arranged all that. Um, Through the... she, She emailed friends and family. Yeah, so she emailed friends and family... Um, she'd crowdfunded or GoFundMe, whatever it was called. Um, and friends and family had extremely kindly um, donated gifts yeah. um, for me to start getting all the equipment. So, yeah, that was that was probably enough to deal with that morning. And um, that was so what what's 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 the feeling when you open that envelope? And then you realize that you have also been presented with a reasonable sort of financial sort of head start. Uh, what's yeah. your feeling then? Nerves, uh, elation, a bit of both? I, I think the first one is, can you just keep your mouth shut, Daniel, next time you come up with a, what you think is a good idea? <laughs> yeah. Um, Why didn't yeah, I ask I think... for a motorbike? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couldn't we have just gone to Disney? Um, <laughs> no, I think... Uh... A little bit of a panic, if I'm honest. That's I I I I I could imagine. Yeah. Sure, surely there must be a little heart flutter. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, a big deep breath, and then I suppose there's I don't know whether you almost felt well. I almost felt well, like there's no backing out now. And actually, yeah. that's and that's actually not the case, you know. Realistically, at any stage, I could have said, I could have said, uh, no, that's me. No, I've tried, I've had a look into it, and I, whatever. Um, but then I came back to all those reasons like why I'd thought about doing it to start with, and and it did seem like it might be in a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, it might not end up being that, but I thought, well, if I don't do it now, I I probably never will. Um, that's yeah, I'm not getting any younger, and to start training for something that you've never done before. I thought, well, if, if I don't do it this time, I, I might never do it. So, yeah. So, so you're 40 years old. Yeah. You've been presented with a trip up a particularly high mountain yeah. that you want to do. Yeah. So, so this is good. But yeah. where, 
where are you physically, physical condition? What, where are you at when you open that envelope? Are you in reasonable shape? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, I've always, you know, I, I, we've been on bike rides and, um, yeah. you know, you're, you're always... not, a, you're not, a, you're not a, uh, you hold, you hold reasonable physical fitness, don't you? You're yeah. Not... I think I've always been, yeah, I've always been active and I've always spent time out. Um, what I wouldn't say that I was fit, but what I would say is I've always been, I've always been able to do what I needed to do. And if I needed to run up the road, I could. And if I needed to cycle to my mum's, I could. And so I've never, I've never got out of breath walking upstairs. If, 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 if you, if you were being chased by the crocodile, you'd like to think one of your mates would get eaten first. I'd be able to find a tree before them. (laughs) Which is all that, all you need to do. Yeah. And it'd probably have fun eating butch anyway. Oh crikey! I'm not sure. I don't... He never stops moving anyway. <laughs> he'd, he'd fidget. He'd fidget. His <laughs> he'd way fidget out. his way out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so that's so so so. Let's move move on. So, right. So so we, you're geared up. You decided yep. you're going to do this. Yeah. Um. You've got the information in front of you. Uh-huh. Uh So, is there any? physical requirements that you need to meet before they will entertain having you on on their part mr kenton call before before he takes you on as a client do you have to meet a certain criteria um well no no i'd say no there isn't a, a criteria other than there's quite clear guidance on their website now i think depending on what uh company you were going to use yeah um there are many 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 different companies and many different guides and you can pay an extremely varying amount of money but okay. i thought i went for somewhere where they required me to have or i say required they they clearly stated that you have to have reasonably fit and that it was it, that okay. it took a, a reasonable level of fitness to make it to the top and also in the back of my mind i was well aware that if it's going to be fun yeah, I I really need to do some work, and so, but I I didn't want to be doing something that I was completely in a you know that was completely inappropriate for me. So I did phone down to their office um, in Geneva, um, and uh, in Geneva in uh, Chamonix, and and just had a little chat. Um, right. And basically said, look, I'm thinking about this. I'm quite motivated to get myself fit. Um, and and they were sort of like, well, you know, it, it is achievable. You know, have you been to the mountains? I said, I've always skied in France. Um, so, and they they said, well, you so you're well aware of the weather changes, and um, mm-hmm. and they said, yeah. They said, well, listen, if you if you want some training tips, there's some available. There's a, you know, we have company a company associated with us um, that you could go to for a, a training guide. But you know, you can f- pick up some tips on the internet. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, we definitely like to have you have you on board. Um, equally, I'd read enough to know that at any point a guide can pull the plug. Uh, I don't know what right. it's like. I don't know what it's like on in other places. Um, but I always knew that at any point, if the guide said, "Listen, it's not safe," then we were going down, and that was it. Um, um- and that's, I mean, that could be anything from 
weather conditions to your yeah. your physical condition to to even your your mental health. I would yeah, assume. yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you know, there's I'm sure further on, you know, we'll we'll cover some of those decisions. Yeah, but yeah. So I I always knew. I always knew that, right, it's down to me to get fit. And the fitter I get, the more I'll enjoy being able to look around rather than dribbling over my extremely expensive <laughs> boots. <laughs> Excellent. So, so we've, um, so, so did you, did you contact the sort of associated sort of fitness advice that you just mentioned? Or did you have a plan in mind? You know, this is how. I know my body. This is yeah. how I'm going to prepare. How did you approach that? Um, I did what I normally do and thought, I can just look it up on the internet. It'll be fine. Um, and I thought, Go- well, Google fitness. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. I can Google, you know, how fit do I need to be? And obviously you get various amounts of nonsense on there. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll just do a little bit of running and I'll do some long walks. Uh-huh. And then we went on holiday to um, Wales. Uh, where we met James, uh, well, family holiday to Wales, um, where we met James and his partner and his son. And James said, "Well, I tell you what, we should do is why don't we as a, why don't we go and climb Snowdon?" He said, "And just and just for reference, uh, <laughs> James, we won't mention his his surname, but this is a man, a, a sort of a mutual or a friend of yours, a guy I know. But this yeah. is a man who has run the." Uh, Marathon de Sable, amongst other things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, at this point, James has done uh, London Marathon, Marathon de Sable. He's done the um, UTMB. Um, <laughs> oh, Marathon, Mont Blanc. Yeah. So he's done, yeah, loads, loads. So, um, so just, a, got... just a bit of context for who you're going up Snowden <laughs> with. Yeah, and so um, how, did, how did he describe it in the morning? He said, oh, it would just be, we'll just do a little run. There's a path. I've looked on the map. It'll be fine. Um <laughs> just put some put some trainers on a pair of shorts and um and a top but um and bring all your other gear so by other gear i just assumed he meant like water bottle and and what yeah <laughs> so 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 i appeared at the front door and he looked at me and said are you stupid and i said what am i what do you mean am i stupid well, i'm ready he said we're going up a mountain daniel i said <laughs> But you said put trainers on and yeah, yeah, to start with, but we're going up a mountain. He said, have you even looked up what it's like to climb a mountain? And I thought to myself, well, I thought I had, but I think (laughs) I might have misread the situation a little bit. So anyway, so off I run to get all my wet weather gear, gear, food, backpack. Um, And we uh yeah we arrive at the car park and james starts running much to the amusement of lots of people around us who uh, look like they're about to walk into uh the north pole um <laughs> and then we so we take off up this path and after about half a mile my chest feels like it's about to eject itself um and then for some unbeknownst reason james then turns left off the path and disappears off up the side of a different mountain and says we're not going up the normal track we're going the long way round we'll go along this ridge um yeah <laughs> and um and about four hours later we were down and i remember thinking to myself i think i've been off a little bit too much here um <laughs> and, I, I think you 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 got to the top uh, we we got to the top where we were faced with people crying um yeah. 
there were the wind had changed and brought a storm in and it was a yeah. lot colder the rain was actually going up at the time um <laughs> and yeah the people crying sort of left a bit of a mark on me really um and so we we got out of the wind and managed to make it down the track that I thought we were going up in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And when we eventually got back to the accommodation, Christine thought I'd seen a ghost. Um, so I thought, actually, maybe I need to change things up a little bit. Uh, with Ian Harper, um, about maybe doing some training in Scotland, and he lent me a book about um, some Monroes, and I thought maybe I should go and get some practice with some of my equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a quick, uh, I suppose it quick, uh, maybe not, a reasonably hastily arranged trip to Scotland, but with a decent plan in mind to uh-huh. practice with the equipment, try crampons. I didn't want to be the idiot on day one in Chamonix, asking silly questions, boots up. And um, so I thought, well, let's try and use all the equipment. Let's make sure we scratch the ice axe so it looks like we're not really beginners. <laughs> and um, don't take the don't take the shiny plastic off it when you get to show. Exactly, a hundred percent. So after the first day walking around uh, Scotland, when we'd been going for eight hours, um, I said to James, "I'm not going up any more slopes. I'm not." He said, "Well, <laughs> we need to go up one to get." I said, "I'm not walking in it. I can't. I'm too tired." Um, and that's when I came home and realised I probably need to, <laughs> I probably need to look at some different training methods, because my so my you... my long walks to Sandwich Bay obviously weren't working. So so would you so, so obviously the Snowden experience and then this time in Scotland was yeah. it was it a physical and mental because that sounds I, I may have completely misjudged it. It sounds like. Possibly the old brain had a bit of a bashing, maybe a bit more so. Yeah, than I the think it wasn't. Before. I've never, um, I've never minded the weather. I've never minded the outdoors. I don't care about being cold. You know, I yeah, just take plenty of the rain, the snow. It never bothered me. It was just the mental side of being that tired. Yeah, or just being that physically tired. Um, not where you. I didn't ever feel as though i couldn't put one foot in the in front of the other yeah but it was that the mental side of i don't think i'm going up <laughs> I, yeah no, i think that's... weird weirdly as soon as we'd finished and we were going down i you sort of give yourself a bit of a kick and you start feeling better um and they're not even high mountains i think they're three thousand three thousand feet so just over 900 meters so not yeah. massively high I thought, I, in fact, I've got all my training up till now wrong, which as much as it was slightly depressing, it was also a timely of time. And if I'd learned anything, it was actually that the crampons were fine and the, you know, all the equipment I'd got up till that point was working well. Um, but it was, you know, you need to, maybe you need to find, maybe you need to train properly, engage your brain a bit more. Um, and so, and weirdly, at that time, I just bought a book that was um, written by um, a couple of guys, uh, Scott Johnson and Steve House, um, and I think they a co-author of Killian Journey. It was okay. called uh, "Train for the uh, Training for the Uphill Athlete," and it was about aerobic training for um, ski mountaineers and um, and alike. So. 
uh, I got reading that, and then it twigged actually that their, which is called Uphill Athlete, was the company that was associated with the venture base at the time. So, and they did oh. an eight they did an eight week Mont Blanc training course. So yeah, um, so I immediately signed up for that. <laughs> and that was what that you signed up for that, but to do under your own. Yes. So. Um, at, so it was, at home, so to speak. Yeah, or... so they basically, um, it was an eight-week course. Uh, it tapered after, I think, weeks four and eight were tapered slightly, mm-hmm. but it was preparation for someone who hadn't really completed um, an organised like exercise plan in that way before. Um, it gave you uh, an idea of the the intensity at which you should be training and i had to do a little bit of reading in between to sort of understand that which was fine um and some some specific exercises for mountaineering um and it was brilliant uh it was absolutely brilliant and it took i had to sort of fiddle with my dates with work because obviously i was shift working at the time mm-hmm. um yeah. so i you know a couple of the longer exercises the longer days i had to plan a few days away from where I wanted to be, but just to avoid trying to do a two hour run after a night shift, really. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Isn't yeah. It? Um, yeah. Obviously that's sort of a question I was, I was going to ask, obviously fitting training in around a, you know, a full-time job and a full-time family. Yeah. Uh, so there is obviously going to be give and take, uh, yeah. but I, I guess the fact that Christine had, you know, had been a huge part of organising the event for you. So, I mean, leeway is probably the wrong word, but she was she was obviously very open to the fact that you had to dedicate a lot of time to, to do this if you wanted to do it right. Yeah, I think uh, Christine's always been amazing at um, just understanding the importance of somebody doing something that they love or they want to do um, and equally the some of the dedication that's got to go into that um and yeah I mean, I mean it wasn't it wasn't hugely time consuming but obviously it took a plan and it wasn't yeah. it was more about difficult to describe but it was more about actually training your body than right what you need to have done two weeks before is climbed yeah. uh, four thousand meters like that it was more about exercising at the right intensity and core exercises and some leg strength exercises to prepare you for you know obviously when you're running a marathon you don't practice by running marathons no exactly you you know you build up to it and it it was that very much i mean at at the end of i think it started off that on the first couple of days it was um like 45 minutes core and strength exercises and then the second day was like a 45 minute run, but at very low intensity, you know, I was running, I was running slower than used to. Um, <laughs> That's and, almost impossible. Yeah. But I and, believe uh, it's, it might be possible now. And then, uh, and then sort of building up to buy, um, I ended up buying three uh, local maps for the area, trying to find a suitable hill to walk up and down with, yeah. with eight full two liter water in the rucksack um, okay and just to sort of prepare your body for i wasn't going to be carrying that much but i was going to be at four thousand meters and not 200 um yeah 
so so yeah and that was probably the hardest i mean that was difficult but i i just kept trying to get myself into the mindset of i used to keep getting halfway through my exercise and thinking i'm halfway through the hardest bit is yet to come knowing that actually when i got halfway through my climb the hardest bit wasn't to come if that makes okay. sense because by the time yeah. i i knew if i got to the top although i had to be careful on the way down mm-hmm. physically physically it was going to be a lot easier when actually try when i got halfway through sometimes the hardest bit was yet to come so that was the mindset yeah and that's it's that obviously that was a you know following a plan it's if you can get your head round, you know if if you're a a numbers person or or how you work but if you can find something that clicks and if you can you know understand that i'm i'm working at low intensity for 45 minutes i i feel that i could do this for three hours but it's believing that in doing that 45 minutes will allow you to do the next five or six days at the potentially higher intensity. If you can yeah. get your head around that, then you're you're more than halfway there because, you know, you you know, when we all go out for that first run in the new year, you know, you've eaten yeah. turkey and gammon and drunk too much beer. Yeah. I'm gonna go for a run. And you run for an hour and a half and you can't move for a week. A hundred percent. Because yeah. you you've done too much. Yeah, and I think also I was I kept coming back to these are two extremely reputable um, coaches and uh, athletes within, you know, within their own right. They, they do a 28 week course for 8,000 meter peaks. They do a 16 week course for, um, I think for 6,000 meter peaks or 7,000 meter peaks. So, and I thought, well, if they've said that this eight week course should be enough to get someone who hasn't necessarily done this type of course before to the physical um capability of getting to one block well who am i to argue <laughs> yeah so i thought actually it did make it easier than that on you know when i woke up in the morning it said right run for an hour today so i ran for an hour and then the next day it said right you know walk up a hill um or climb a thousand feet in half an hour okay right well i'll do that then um it's not the easiest place in the world to ascend um, <laughs> Uh, no. did, uh, the cliffs were good. Um, yeah, I uh, mean, I love I love running the cliffs, not yeah. necessarily for the heart. I mean, I just like being up there. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, um, it, yeah, I think, like for me, it just worked. It was just today you're going to do this, and I'd promised my youngest was worried about. You know, I, I'm not sure if she'd been on Google and typed in really <laughs> stupid, really stupid, dangerous mountains to climb for days, but um, she said. You know, I, I'm worried. I'm not sure I want you to do it. And I'd always promised that I'll do, you know, I'll be as fit as I can. And that's all yeah. I can. And that's all I can do. And uh-huh. so it was it was quite easy to say, get up and do your run. Yeah, well, that's exactly. I mean, I've been. Yeah, it's it's different. I'm not trading for anything. But I, I mean, I've adopted the mindset that if it's a run day, it's just get up and get it done or I'm running home for work. I, I, you know, I don't take the car. I, I, I'll get a lift or something. I've got no choice. And I said to someone yesterday, you know, they say, do you, do you know, do you enjoy the running? I'm like, mm, not particularly. And I, I don't particularly feel like it, but you know, I'll run 200 yards across the golf course and then I've got no choice but to get home, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, it, 
it's taken a bit of time to get my brain there, but it, yeah. it, it's it's getting there. But um, let's um, let's fast forward a bit there, Dad, because you've mentioned a lot of. Obviously, yeah. I've got some notes and questions in front of me, but you've uh-huh. you've met you've covered a lot. Um, so if we sort of fast forward to sort of the time of the climb, um, yep. so so you've got yourself out to uh, to France. You're, you're going up the French side. You're, you're in Chamonix, I assume. You've got what fifteen and a half thousand feet in front of you. Well, um, yeah. How does it work? So you you're oh, so you did you so was it a group climb that you signed up for? Yeah, so uh, basically, I signed up for the for a week's um, a week's course, mm-hmm. um, which basically included acclimatization and and I think coming back to your first point about you know an acceptable level, you know, did they require you to be fit? Um, yeah. Well, for for three days, we went to Italy, and okay. and we they used that as. Uh, um, a preparation and practice for the Mont Blanc climb. So you you basically on the first day drive um, through the Mont Blanc tunnel um, into Italy and you go and climb a mountain called Gran Paradiso, which I believe is the biggest mountain that's entirely within Italy. Um, that okay. might be wrong. I might just be really old and forgotten. I might be making that up. But, yeah. Um, so that's just over four thousand meters, and that's um, a nice, a nice long walk up through a glacier, <laughs> around some crevasses, and it's got a, well, for me, slightly scary as hell scramble at the end. I mean, if you type <laughs> in, if you type in Grand Paradiso Summit into yeah. Google and have a look at the uh, the Madonna on the top of there, it's it's a little bit exposed, um, but basically. On that day, there was four of us. Uh, okay. To one, to one guide, um, two uh, two friends from the UK, uh, Peter and Dan, and uh, a young American guy called John, who was who, who I was rooming with. Um, and the the first day, we had a nice walk up to the refuge where we started the following morning about. Um, and we were blessed with wonderful weather. And by the time we got to the top, we couldn't see anything. And <laughs> uh, as usual, you end up in the summit in a cloud, which I think made going up to the summit maybe mentally slightly easier, um, yeah. as as you can't quite see how exposed you are. I say exposed. I'm on a rope attached yeah. to four other people, so I'm not going anywhere. But uh, <laughs> mentally, that's not always that easy to get your head around. No, it, it's certainly not. I mean, I... I again, it's it's a different circumstance. I'm I'm not terrible with heights, but I'm not the best. Uh, yeah. And on narrow ski sort of descents, on, yeah. on or what I would call a skier path, which is not great for a snowboarder, I have moments of of panic when I sort of look over the edge and think, "There's no way I'm going to end up there." But yeah. if, if I do, it's but yeah, and then you, you'll ski that in sort of slightly snowy conditions, whiz down the bottom, and think, you know, why don't I just do that? Yes. When the sun's out, hundred <laughs> percent. Spend so much energy worrying, but yeah. But, but sorry, mate, I interrupted. No, you. that's fine. So that, I think that was really the guide's um, chance to assess everybody's ability. Came yeah. um, through that um, well or without giving him too much concern. 
then I think it was um, it was good to go for all of us. Um, like none of, none of the four of us had had any issues at all, um, so so that didn't give him any concerns at all. I think the only concern was as we made our way back to the van to come back to Chamonix was uh, was the possible weather. Um, so okay, so they they obviously they're planning way ahead and they have contacts all over the place it's their preferred forecasts um and they were just concerned at the wind because obviously at some point when you get above certainly above um four and a half thousand meters mm-hmm. um some some of the ridges on that route are quite exposed and i remember our guide fabio saying well you know it's all well and good me holding you if you fall but I can't hold you if we've both taken off. Um, <laughs> so I think there was a point at which he said, and again, it, it might be me misremembering, but I think he said if it gets to 50 kilometers an hour or six, maybe it was 60 kilometers an hour, then we start to consider it not being possible. But what we'd probably do is we'd go up to, um, I think there's, they're called the Vallo Vallo hut which is like an emergency shelter and that's at 4,400 meters and he said you know up till that point even if it's windy you know you can get to there and we, we make an assessment there so um so that was the plan I think as we and we were all pretty much in agreement that if they said it wasn't safe then we wouldn't go um mm-hmm. and then we went for a nice big ice cream so I forgot about that um <laughs> and then yeah and then we were uh back in the Back in the hut, Chamonix. Um, for Mont Blanc, it's two people, uh, or it's one guide for t- per two people. So we had an, an additional guide, um, yeah. R- Roger, join us. So uh, it was myself and John, the American guy, with Fabio, um, um, and they were just amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, Fabio sort of made the made the trip. Really, he was uh, astonishing. Um, and yeah, so and that started the trip up. So there was a there's a ski lift, and then uh, a tram, um, and the tram takes you up to. I wrote this bit down because yeah, there was, there was no way I was going to remember this number. Um, so <laughs> the 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 tram takes you up to two thousand three hundred and seventy two meters. Okay, and you start from there, and it's a about a three hour trek up to a place called Te. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so and then we stopped at Tetrus overnight. Uh, and this but, is we're talking sort of tent tents on the mountain. Then oh no, Tetrus is a refuge. It's okay, a, it's, a, it's a building. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a a lovely glacier next door to it, and you can hear it constantly cracking away as it yeah. as it falls off the mountain. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we. We sort of we had some lunch there, and prepared prepared. So how for did you how run. did you feel after that initial sort of three hour trek? How how was the body? How was the how was the mind? All, all um, well, I remember you. I mean, you did send me some uh, some initial questions about some highs and lows, but yeah. the the low point arrived just before we got to Tetrus. Um, cool. Yeah, <clears throat> I think. My body was fine. I felt extremely fit. In fact, I don't think I'd ever been this that fit, and I've not and I've not been that fit since. And I hadn't had any issues at all, and I felt fine. Maybe a little bit tired, 
um, not not physically tired, but probably starting to feel mentally tired. Yeah, um, because there's 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 adrenaline, isn't there, and yeah. excitement, and we all know, or well, we don't all know, but you know when that adrenaline runs out or eases off, there is that mental and physical reaction. Yeah. Yep. So uh, what had been described as a you know a little bit of a stroll up the mountain um at one point fabio turned and said uh guys just to let you know um if you see any of these steel cables in the side of the the rock face you know you don't have to use, you have to grab them oh, okay fair <laughs> enough he said they're more of a sign there that when you see them if you were to fall you'd probably die <laughs> I'm, I was liking Fabio yeah. 10 minutes ago. I'm and, not sure now. Well, he, he said it in such a matter-of-fact way that I thought, a matter-of-fact way, that I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I, yeah, that's funny. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I think my brain fell out of my ass, And I, I don't know. I really don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened to this day. But I'd gone from looking around thinking this place is spectacular to get me off this fucking mountain as quick as you possibly can. And I a, and yeah. I just I just didn't want to be there. And, and do you think was there that was obviously that's an emotional reaction? Yeah. Uh, and was that obviously you're a you're a husband and a and a father? Yeah, uh, that's was, it. Yeah, that there was, was it. A, there was there that was the influence or one of the influences. I think that just all of a sudden I just felt incredibly selfish. Okay, I, I don't know why. Um, I don't know what I, I just I thought why why are you why are you putting yourself in this position I mean like I say we were on a path you know we uh-huh. weren't we weren't we, we weren't roped up we didn't have harnesses it's considered to be I mean it's considered by French alpinists to be a walk but yeah. uh, you wouldn't walk to, to town if it was like that um, but <laughs> but it was you know it was safe and and it wasn't extreme and we weren't exposed, but that wasn't the problem. The brain was the problem and I couldn't, mm-hmm. and, and it was the one thing I hadn't trained for. I hadn't trained for my brain having a fart and I couldn't, <laughs> and I could, and I couldn't press reset and I didn't know how to press reset. And I spent the next 20 minutes thinking every step could be my last, which is. Which okay. is and did you, did you, did, did you keep this, to yourself or did you express this to 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 fabio i went and spoke to fabio when we got when we got to the refuge and i said look i appreciate everything you've done but i yeah. don't think i'll be going any further um obviously okay, at that but i should explain that at that point at tetrus i'm staring up to our next refuge which is about a thousand meters above us which mm-hmm. looks like we're about to scale a cliff. um <laughs> and and that's the and and we also the most dangerous part of the in the whole world um so at that point i don't really know i think i in my head i was thinking like yeah i've I've done my best but my brain says no and yeah then, which is and, which and, is fair enough yeah and fabio just looked at me and went okay and Hi. then and then just sort of he said what do you think is going to happen and i said well I, I i sort of think that i could die and he just yeah. laughed and said, well, but you're going to be attached to me. And I went, right. He said, well, you, you can't fall if you're attached to me. And I'm t- looking at me thinking, well, 
you're roughly the same size as me. I mean, you, you're heavier, <laughs> but surely if I fall off the mountain, you fall you're... off the mountain. <laughs> and, he, and he said, do you think if that would happen that I'd strap you to me? <laughs> and I thought, you, yeah, you're probably making a point, but I'm still not mentally in the right place. Yeah. Um, skip forward to an hour later. I've, I've unpacked my stuff. I've, right. walked up, I've walked up to have the you, bar. Have you text home, phone no, home? No, no. At this no. point, I've done no because no. In my head, that's the worst thing to do. That's right. ridiculous. That's, yeah. And okay. and uh, and uh, Peter, one of the other guys on the trip, said, uh, "You know what? What's the matter?" And I said, "I, I honestly don't really know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I just." He said, "What? What would you normally do? Who would you normally speak to?" And I said, "Well, I'd normally speak to Christine." But he said, "Well, phone her." I said, I can't do that. He said, well, you know, it, maybe if you don't, this is as far as you come. So so yeah. I did. So I phoned Christine and spoke to her and I was upset. And she's like, well, listen, you know, if you want to stop, stop. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine. And whatever you decide will be right for you. And she's incredibly calming and made me feel like a child again. Um, and then she suggested I speak to the children and I was no way that's ridiculous I can't she's like well you're already crying in front of the whole hut so I mean how much worse can it get and um, yeah I spoke to the kids got off the phone had went to sleep got up in the morning put my stuff on and started climbing and weirdly never not at no stage did I consider not doing it so you'd you you woke up the next day and yeah, uh, would it it's was, a hard one. Was there a did you make a decision to to put that yesterday behind you or did just you didn't just, feel like yeah, that? It, you it just, just didn't. You like had yeah. Sorry, it, yeah, it was press reset. It's like someone had pressed reset. I just had didn't have superb. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel. I didn't feel unsafe. I didn't feel like I was exposed. I didn't, it was all gone. And I, so I, that's why I say I still don't not really know. It was just, maybe it was emotion and maybe, maybe it was a, like a little bit of um, mental tiredness. And when those like doubts creep in and you're not practiced at pushing them away, I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I, it was gone. I, I quick story. I, I mean, in my first ski season before, a few weeks before I met Erica, uh, I, I went out skiing with a, a an Irish physiotherapist um, who was out during the ski season, and she'd explained to me how she'd been on seven or eight skiing holidays. After once we'd been skiing for 200 yards, it was apparent that she may have been on eight skiing holidays, but she'd never actually skied. <laughs> um, and we, so I had, I then not been a very good snowboarder, but I had to figure out a way of getting her down the mountain. Yeah, and, and we got to a point on the mountain where, uh, it, for ninety minutes, she she physically could not move from a very dangerous <laughs> point. But I mean, we got down eventually. Yeah. Uh, but I said to her, you know, when we got down the bottom, I said, "What happened?" And she 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 couldn't explain it. Yeah. Uh, fear, panic, brain fart. I, I don't know, but she she could not put. She couldn't put point her skis down the mountain. Um, she did eventually, but it was very uh, to witness it. You know, there's me said, you know, there's skiers coming over this ridge, whistling past myself and her. Yeah, 
And I'm saying it's probably in everyone's best interest if you point those skis down. And she said to me, I know. I know what I should be doing, yeah. but I can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. Very strange. And to witness it, it was, it was, it was very strange. Uh, yeah. But, sorry, uh, again, no, I've interrupted. Okay, so, no, so, it's all right. So, so you're, you're back on. You're, you're so back, it's game on. Yeah, so it's five, so five o'clock up. in the morning. Um, just heading towards the uh, Grand Kulwa, which is where all the people die. Um, <laughs> and I think I've written down here that between 1990 and 2017, 102 people had died crossing there. Um, so, <laughs> but weirdly, it, I think because the mindset had changed, it just wasn't bothered. It just didn't. Okay. It just didn't. And you can, I mean, if you want to see rocks traveling at, 150 miles an hour you can look on youtube it's uh it's horrific <laughs> um yeah. but but i was always I come back to that finding a company and a guide I, I always i completely and totally trusted the guides um mm. he explained what we needed to do it was quite clear that when he said something that you needed to listen um and yeah and that was that and he said listen you we when we start we start we don't stop you don't stop to take pictures or to look or for any other reason when i say go we go um and we were crossed and up and before i knew it i could see uh the extremely shiny weird sat on the top of the rock looks like fall off next hut the uh, guta hut so um uh-huh. yeah and and uh, and then by then we were on snow so up to that point it'd all been rock so um, from then on, it was uh, crampons, and we briefly stopped at the Guta Hut um, mm-hmm. for for a brief break, um, and then we were off, uh, heading towards the um, the summit or the Vallo Hut to start with to see what it was going to be like when we got halfway. Yeah, um, we got halfway, and and we said, you know, are we? He said, are you still good to go? Because there was always a we're not leaving anybody here. Once we've left the hut, we don't leave anybody on the mountain. We don't, when we got to the Vallow hut, he said, right. When we, if we all go, we all go. We, we don't leave anybody here in case, you know, potentially we have the, the weather changes and we can't come back down this way. In okay. which case you've, you're left in a, he said, so that doesn't happen. We don't unrope once we started. Okay. Um, and I was happy. And that was it. And so we left. Um, probably from the top, I think it took us four, two hours to the, to the emergency shelter at the Vallow Hut, um, and, and then two hours up to the summit. Um, and it was just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. Um, uh, so you, so you, you summited in good weather, good visibility. Amazing. Um, uh, absolutely. I mean, wind, windy, but not, not crazy winds. It was, it was, I mean, you stood on the top of a mountain. It's, you know, it's not going to be, it's very rarely still, but it was So you're at the, you're at the highest, uh, you're at the highest point in Europe then, are it, you? Well, yeah. I mean, in Western Europe, uh, if you, if, if Russia's part of Europe, um, mm. it's, it's the second, but yeah, of Western Europe, uh, yeah, the highest part. Um, and it's just stunning. And obviously I'm looking at out, across everywhere that i've skied so weirdly looking back i mean it's not really it's not really being on the moon and looking back at earth but uh yeah it's weird looking back from that height looking down so you uh, were you were looking down from a point that you'd always looked up to 
Yeah. So yeah, and and had looked up to from uh, two days before. Um, yeah. Chamonix directly underneath. It's I think Chamonix about a thousand meters, and there's nothing between Chamonix and Mont Blanc, and Mont Blanc sits at four thousand eight hundred. So there's you know you look back down into Chamonix and like and it is yeah it's wow this big white I say white there's some weird yellow I'll let you uh make your own mind up about how they get there um (laughs) but yeah and so and that was it yeah we've we've done it so you've done it um the feeling is pride is it uh a certain is there a certain feeling thank god that's done I think there's there's some elation. Yes, you know we've done it. We, we're at the top. Um, accomplishment. I knew, like I, again, I'd done my training. To me, I was halfway. Yeah, yeah. In in my head, I was halfway. So you know, I was I was at the fun bit, but yeah. I, there's still I was, a job to be done. Yeah, I still, you know, it's difficult for me to share all these pictures from up here if I'm dead. So yeah, <laughs> so I still I still need to come down to 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 celebrate this, but um, I didn't I didn't to where Good. I needed to you know to the point of uh-huh. um, I mean at one point I did say to Fabio how much further is it and he said it doesn't matter so I mean, he he I mean he'd obviously agree but he didn't seem to have too many doubts that we were going to get to the top um and so yeah then it was another kids had asked me to do some ridiculous dance at the top which i at the last minute i remembered um (laughs) and i hadn't really expect or the the irish that the american guy hadn't really expected dance at the top um so when i asked him to film me do this dance he i think he thought i was a bit odd Um, (laughs) he's probably right um (laughs) So yeah, did the dance and then, um, you know, when you're on a golf course, you know, obviously you've been on plenty of golf courses. You, ever oh, get that, you know, when you get that many hours, and certainly by the sea, you know, when the wind changes, and you think, yeah, where, it, and and you think, where's the weather change coming from? Yeah, but that happened. We, oh. I'd taken my gloves off to take the pictures, and that was fine. And Fabio was, I think, he was relieving himself. Um, and I'd done my stupid dance and just within minutes, I, my hands were freezing, absolutely freezing. And in all my summit pictures, you can see across the, obviously not across the entire Alps, but quite a long way across the Alps. Mm-hmm. And then within minutes, you could see nothing. And nothing. Are we, we're talking what, inches in front of your nose, nothing? or feet? No, I think you could see... Maybe twenty, thirty feet. Okay, but, um, but that was it. Yeah. And the wind had got up, and it had got a lot colder. Um, and, and well, fortunately, as Fabio himself up, he said, "What would you guys want to do now?" And I said, "I think we should probably just go down." And he said, yeah. "I think that's." A, he said, "That's an excellent decision." <laughs> um, I mean, what are, what are the other options? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we could have said, can we do some more pictures up here? In which case, he'd have probably said, no, we're going down. But I think it was nice <laughs> of him to ask us at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and 
then it dawned on me that uh, I hadn't seen uh, Dan and Peter and their guide Roger. We had I hadn't seen them for a while, and and I'm sure we'd passed them at some point. I think we'd passed them at the the Vallow Hut. So. Okay. So we hadn't seen them. So that was weird because I thought, well, they were just behind us. And clearly after we'd been dancing and videoing at the top, <laughs> um, they hadn't appeared. So, uh, but we were very much right. We're going down. And then we saw them just as we were going down, just as we got off the summit ridge. Yeah. Uh, they were just coming up. Um, and I thought, well, they'll be five, 10 minutes behind us. They weren't going to be five, 10 minutes behind us. Um, and Fabio had said to me, um, right, you lead going down. Apparently, that's the way it's done. If you encounter some slow people, when we're on the steep pitches and the narrow parts, you stay very close to them in front. And as soon as it flattens out, we'll. Mm-hmm. But, but we need to get down and we need to get down as soon as we possibly can. And I said, well, I didn't think it was safe to cross this bit if it was too windy. And he said, well, we can't stay up here. Yeah. So we've sort of got to go down. The decision's kind of made. Yeah. I'm I'm sure there are bigger tests than that for guides, but it was pretty clear (laughs) that we were going down. Um, Yeah. And he said, you know, it's so much easier to get down if we can see the tracks that have been made this morning on the way up. But if it keeps snowing like this then it's going to take us a lot longer so um so that was it it was get down as quick as we could which i suppose we lost being able to have a little bit of a look around yeah but you know i wasn't there to sightsee i suppose maybe i mean i suppose it's it's although as you have explained that you when you were at the top you you considered it to be halfway but i mean it it when you're at the top, although you are only halfway, that descent down in your head, it's it's is it part of the adventure or is it a bit of a nuisance because you'd rather you'd rather just be down the bottom or or is it part of the it's obviously part of the experience to the point that you have to do it. But yeah. coming down, is it like I really just want to be down now? And obviously what you're describing, you you had no choice. It was down as quick as you can. I think, I think it- I just, I, from everything I'd read, going down was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and going any more dangerous where we were than anywhere else. Um, it was probably less dangerous than going, well, certainly less dangerous than going down um, larger, you know, taller peaks and certainly mm-hmm. Himalayan peaks. But it, I definitely, I remember saying to myself time and time again, concentrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, con- just concentrate. You know, this is like I was halfway in distance, but I knew it would be so much quicker going because of the speed at which you go up. You don't you don't yeah. you certainly don't rush up. It's a walk. It's a steady yeah. walk. You you intentionally walk at a similar intensity, of which all my training was done. Hence the training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you're coming down, you're coming down. But it was just and you're heading, you're heading down all the way to the bottom from the top Uh, no so so their plan was uh always to stop at the top refuge the the guta the big the big silver building um so we would we were going back down to there um to overnight yeah to overnight there so okay cool um yeah so it was 
and uh, we made it back down from the summit down to there in under two hours. So, um, yeah, so I think remember saying about the lows, the highs, definitely, obviously, summiting both mm. Grand Paradiso and uh, and obviously Mont Blanc. Um, one of the biggest highs, weirdly, was uh, we waited an hour for Peter um, and Dan and Roger and they weren't back. And then we waited and waited and waited and waited. Um, okay. And then you start to think, mm, now I know the weather really isn't very nice outside. Um, and they eventually got back, I think, a couple of hours after us. So they'd taken uh, four hours to get down. Um, okay. There was lots of mitigating circumstances. There were Russians lost on the mountain um, that they'd found. And they'd by the time they turned around the tracks had disappeared so uh we were fortunate with our timing um but seeing them come back i suppose because we'd spent a week with them uh it was absolutely yeah. brilliant to see to see them you know get back safely that was uh a real buzz because then i think because well, we could sort yeah you yeah you 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 were the the whole gang were back together so to speak yeah there was going to be it wasn't that you know the trip wasn't going to be tinged with you know, someone having been hurt or someone having, you know, somebody not being well, uh, there's always, always a risk, obviously at altitude that somebody's not going to be very well. Um, we yeah. All... I mean, that, that could be, I mean, that could almost just as easily be a guide, couldn't it? As, yep. as, as one of you guys, that's yeah. sort of so, I, so that was a concern. And then obviously once they, uh, yeah, you could sort of relax a bit. Well, you could relax a lot more. Um <laughs> And but yeah, really enjoy the moment, really. So that was that was 2019. You you did this, Dan? Did yeah. you say? Yes, yeah. And uh, so that that was so that was two years ago. Um, yeah. How you, you you've explained how you know how it how how does it feel now looking back? Obviously, you haven't you haven't done. Um, I don't think you've done anything quite as adventurous in the two years since have you um i don't know i think both my kids are teenagers now so that, <laughs> every I, day's a new adventure yeah yeah so no uh no nothing really i i don't know the only thing I, when i came back i i rested for too long and by okay. too by too long i meant like a week i didn't do anything <laughs> for, I, I didn't do anything for a week i didn't run i didn't and then i went out and just cut some some dig some roots out and absolutely destroyed my back um and ended up back at the osteopath not being able to do anything so um oh yeah i think things in it i just i don't like i say i don't like moaning christine would completely disagree i don't i don't like excuses that everyone gets injured i just keep just kept getting injured <laughs> i just kept yeah. on the uh, it happens, mate. Yeah, we had a we went on holiday to Canada. Um, was felt great, was fit, felt great, and then um, decided to follow the children on the second to last day over a jump and absolutely stacked it. And was a little <laughs> bit that saw the next day, and then by the time I got home, realised that I'd uh, done something to ligaments in my pelvis. And so couldn't do anything again. Um, yeah, so it's just been one thing after another, really. 
but I'm I'm not in, I probably wouldn't have done anything anyway. I don't, yeah. I don't think. Well, I certainly financially wise, I I couldn't have. Um, would I do? It's a tough one because some of the reasons why I did what I did was was to experience things I hadn't done before. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously I have. I would I'd love to go back to Italy because it was absolutely stunning in you know uh Mont Blanc was brilliant. Chamonix yeah. is nice to visit. I'm not sure I could stay there. It's it's very I say it's very busy. I'm sure it's not very busy in the winter. Um it's very it- yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the it's the summer sports hub for that part. Yeah, of the world. it's absolutely it, it really bonkers. Is. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I, I'm not sure there are too many towns in the world where people wandering down the high street with ropes wrapped around their backs and uh, like and con- constantly. Um, and it's mountain bikes with with motors everywhere as well. Yeah, now. and people just to keep appearing out the sky on weird <laughs> weird you know flying <laughs> devices and. Yeah. Um, and people are going up the mountain in cable cars the size of double-decker buses. Um, yeah, it's a lovely place to visit. I would like maybe to go to Italy. Um, to ski? Um, I mean, possibly. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think maybe I keep looking at Monterosa, which is um, in, in Italy. Uh, Adventure Base do some trips to there. That, that looks absolutely stunning. Um, so maybe that, but obviously then, you know, I've got to get myself fit. It might be worth a try, but what I'd probably do is try and get myself fitter before I, um, before I booked it, but, you know, never say never. I looked at Elbrus maybe in, um, in Russia, Uh, (laughs) but I, yeah, it would probably be a toss up between those two. I think I'd still like to go to Nepal at some point. Um, it, it's something I. It, it's something I have considered, um, not seriously since uh, you know for for a few years. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, I've I've been saying I want to get back to Australia uh, since two thousand and four, and haven't you know I've been back there. There's there's so many things I'd like to do, and and that's half the reason I wanted to have this this chat is because I, yeah. I don't have a fascination with mountains, but I, I have a keen interest. Yeah. Um, it's something I would probably like to do one day, but I yeah. mean, if, let's be honest for me, you know, my little one's five. It's not an excuse, but it's not going to be in the next 10 years, if I'm honest. And then yeah. I'll be, I'll be 51 and a half in 10 years. So is that realistic? Yeah. I, well, I would, I, I certainly wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't think that, the age i i don't think that that certainly that training thing that i did it wasn't a case of you need to run at this speed it just yeah. said you need to run at this intensity for mm-hmm. half an hour 45 minutes an hour two hours um you know you can run for long enough and yeah. i think if you, i think it, and the week before we were there there were two guys who if they're listening were in their late 50s if they're not listening were in their early 60s um and they'd <laughs> And they just summited. So, um, yeah, I think never say it, it's never. A, yeah, it's a, it's certainly achievable, um, and you know you don't know if you don't try. No, definitely. Well, let's say uh, hopefully maybe mate we can discuss this further over a skiing holiday or something in in the coming years, and we can. 
that really was an inspiring chat. Uh, thank you to Dan for giving up his time to, to come and have a chat with me. Uh, I have, must admit there's a certain amount of self-indulgence regarding asking Dan to come on. Um, I have a mild interest in things like Mount Everest. Um, I obviously enjoy my snowboarding so I'm more used to taking lifts up to the top of mountains and high points and then snowboarding back down them but I have often thought you know something like a a trek to the base camp of Everest might be a wonderful experience and and never got further than looking on the internet at the the cost and you know let alone the logistics of making it work what I've certainly taken away from my chat with Dan there is you're, you're never too old, although we're not old, but we're never too old to consider things like Dan experienced climbing Mont Blanc uh, with the full support of his wife and family, you know, friends who club together to, to not make it possible, but certainly make it easier with the you know the financial side of things i'm sure dan would have been capable of of pulling it off himself but that help of friends and family you can't beat that and uh, certainly made planning the experience that much easier for him uh, that's all i really want to say today i hope you really enjoyed it it was something a bit different uh, I loved it. Please show some support. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, certainly feedback to me. And please share it across your social medias. Let's try and get these podcasts out there as best and as much as we can. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, I'll be back soon with some more cricket podcasts with Owen. Uh, there's been another wet weekend, so we'll come up with some hopefully fun and entertaining content. Uh, I have recorded a podcast this morning with Luke Peters over in Queensland in Australia. We talk about his life over there uh, and his uh, decision to take a break from drinking alcohol. So that will be coming out later next week. Thanks again, guys. Bye for now.